Wisconsin Eyes Campaign 2022 programming is sponsored by Wisconsin Counties Association, Quick Trip, Wisconsin Hospital Association, and Wisconsin Operating Engineers Local 139. To support programs like this, please consider a tax-deductible donation at wisi.org donate or by texting WISI to 44321. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. It will go down in history as a midterm election with record campaign spending and intense negativity. Tuesday's election for governor and U.S. Senate, as well as other statewide races, have the potential to shape Wisconsin's future on issues like election administration, abortion policy, education. Uh, here to talk to us about what to expect tomorrow and all the predictions are Democratic Party Chairman Ben Wickler and GOP Party Chairman Paul Farrell. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. All right, we talked about this as the peace talks here, so we're going to get started <laughs> this way. All right, how are you feeling heading into the election tomorrow? My friend Sarah Rodriguez, who's our lieutenant governor candidate, coined the phrase nauseously optimistic. That is, that's exactly how I'm feeling. <laughs> and you? I like that one. I think that's pretty good. I was going to say cautiously optimistic, but I kind of like that <laughs> nauseously optimistic. That's about right. Are you both a little tired at this point? I think there's a lot of adrenaline working its way through the system. So at a certain point, I'll look down and realize I've uh, gone way off the edge of the cliff like the Roadrunner. But right now, you talked about Red Bull. Yeah. Is the drink of Both choice tomorrow night? Red Bull is a drink of choice. Caffeine, you know, got to keep us going. Same thing. I think we're just right now running on the clock. Uh, my my team laughs. I have a countdown clock on the phone that's telling me what hour and minute we have till eight o'clock on Tuesday night, and so everybody checks in on that. So it, we actually it's think it'll be done on Tuesday night midnight. We're going to know all these results. I would be completely unsurprised for this to be a very early Wednesday type situation. Yeah. And it could be after that. Voters can cure their ballots until 4 p.m. on Friday. So if there's, you know, if this is in double overtime, uh, this could last well into the week, the end of the week. When do you think we'll know? I think we'll have a good idea early Wednesday morning. We'll, we'll see what the numbers are and see what's going to be happening now. But I think when you look at the election system, things are in much better shape than they were two years ago. I think we're going to see the good numbers come through and, and be confident that we've got a, a process that works this time. Right. Well, we, we talked before the show a little bit about the latest Marquette poll, and the, those results confirm what we already knew. These are nail-biter races. Let's take a look at kind of those latest numbers uh, in the governor's race among likely voters, 48% tied between both candidates, incumbent Governor Tony Evers and Republican challenger Tim Michaels. The independent candidate, Joe Beglinger, Joan Beglinger, who has dropped out but remains on the ballot, came in with 2%. And then in the U.S. Senate race among likely voters, uh, Ron Johnson supported by 50 percent, Mandela Barnes by 48 uh, percent. Do these poll results make you nervous, give you confidence, or are they irrelevant going into tomorrow? Uh, they do matter. I mean, what they tell every voter is that they could be the person who tips this entire thing. The, the striking thing for me is, if you look back in history, the president's party almost always loses in the midterm. The last time a Democratic candidate won a governor's race with a Democratic president was 1962, by a single percentage point, uh, when JFK had 65% approval ratings after the Cuban Missile Crisis. So the fact that it is tied is a miracle, and it means that this is the time for people to 
cancel their plans, call in sick, teach their kids to make their own food, and knock on doors until the polls close on election day. The, po the poll results, what do they mean to you? Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. When you look at the polls, um, they're a snapshot. They're trying to capture the essence of what's going on. Uh, we've seen polls in the past that were far off in 2016. They said Wisconsin was going to go strongly for the Democrats, and Donald Trump won. Uh, I think when you look at the numbers, we know what we are. We are a purple state, and we are a 48-48, and we fight for that last 4% in the middle. Uh, I think that's what we're seeing right now. The good news, as I see it, when you look at the energy in the polls, we have seen an upward trajectory for the Republicans almost the whole time, and it's more of a, almost a stall or a downward projection for the Democrats. So I think, for me, cautiously optimistic again, we're in good shape with those. So throughout the election, both parties have been talking about what voters say is the top issue, inflation, the economy, but the ads kind of tell a different story where the money is being spent on all of these wonderful materials I brought along and that we're receiving in the mail here. Um, according to reporting by NPR, 70% of Republican digital ads in the U.S. Senate race in Wisconsin have been focused on crime, just 15% focused on the economy and inflation. Why is crime, do you think, the winning issue that's being emphasized for Republican candidates? When you look at the record, not only the, the Barnes and, and, and uh, Evers administration and what they've had, there's a lot of telling tales that we've talked about throughout the entire campaign. From the challenges that we had in the Kenosha with the riots and what the governor came out initially said and then slowly backed up and supported, um, to the amount of paroles that they've seen, to his first in, you know, comments on crime back four years ago, that he wanted to reduce the population in the jails. People are seeing an increase. You know, city of Milwaukee is the fourth highest crime or homicide rate in the country right now. We're seeing this challenge and we're not seeing the solutions. And I think that's one of the things that has been resonating through rural areas as much as the urban areas, that people want to make sure we've got a, a good handle on crime. Those that are causing the issues are being put away and taken out of society so that society is safer. Reaction to the fact that Republicans are focused on crime as that issue in a lot of their advertising? Well, it's a, it's a very simple tactic that's used over and over. It's about fear. It's about provoking fear in the electorate so that people pull back. And when you look at the governor's record, he and Mandela Barnes, their administration has invested American Rescue Plan funds that Ron Johnson voted against in every single law enforcement agency in the state of Wisconsin. You look at Milwaukee, where people have the most to lose from crime, people are clamoring for common sense gun safety laws so that folks who pose a danger uh, won't, won't have firearms to, to cause that danger. And the Republicans have refused when the governor's called a special session of the state legislature to have a red flag law that says when the a police officer goes to a judge and says this person poses a danger that, that they should not have access to firearms, Republicans have refused to act on it. So the, the record shows Democrats are really foot forward on public safety. All of us want safe communities. And the question is, are Republicans going to just run on this issue but refuse to do something about it, uh, or will they actually partner with Governor Evers in his second term to make sure we can make our community safer? So on the Democrat side of the aisle, ad impact data shows that uh, most of the advertising dollars have been on the issue of abortion, even though that doesn't even make the top five in terms of issues that Wisconsin voters say are important. Why do you think Democrats are investing on abortion? Well, I, I think it's the same thing as Ben said. It's a fear factor. They, they want to say and, and continue to argue that we're taking away women's rights with, with, this, with the situation with the Roe v. Wade overturned back in July. 
I think people are realizing that's not the case. They're realizing that the states are the ones that are going to be responsible for creating and affecting good law around abortion the way it should have been. And we'll continue to work our way through. If you listen to our candidates, both Senator Johnson and Tim Michaels have said they're open to listening to if there's any um, additions or exclusions that we should look at the law that's on the books, and they'll be open to hear those. I think the challenge really comes in, again, is the deflection. When you think about it, they've created this as their one standpoint is the abortion. Not looking, if they're really talking about the crime and worrying about the crime, aren't they talking about more of, more about the issues of what they're doing and the solutions they have? Because the solutions are short-term. The ARPA funding is going to be gone in a couple of years. We have no backstop on how we're going to continue to repair that. Why, why are Democrats focusing on abortion as that top issue, even if Wisconsin voters say it's not in the top five? So this might not be the number one issue as you're, as you're you know, going to work and driving home. But when you stay up late at night and, and think about what the future looks like for yourself and for your family, the idea that the, the freedom for people to decide when and whether to start a family, the freedom to, to know that you can be safe if there's a, a risk of health to the mother, there's no exception for the health of the mother in the 1849 abortion ban. This is something that's deeply personal for so many people, for Republicans and independents as well as Democrats. What we've seen is that if there's one thing that, that's causing Republicans to decide to vote for Governor Evers, vote for Mandela Barnes and Josh Call, it's this issue. And you have someone like Eric Toney running for the Republican Attorney General's race. He's saying that the district attorneys should be able to cross over county lines to prosecute abortion cases and put doctors in jail, not on any other kind of crime. But he wants people to, to go to a place where they're not elected to enforce this abortion ban. That is, it's just un-Wisconsin. It is totally unacceptable. And this is something that that there's a, a whole bunch of voters who feel very strongly about. In the most recent Marquette poll, 80% of registered voters overall said they are certain to vote. We've seen in Wisconsin midterm election voter turnout really increasing over the years. In 2010, turnout was 50%. In 2018, it rose to 59%. Uh, prediction on turnout this year? I think we're going to be in that ballpark, right around the 59-60% range. I think the energy is out there running around the state the last week and a half with the different campaigns. We're seeing more and more people and newer faces that are coming out to say, you know what, we want to make a difference. And it's our responsibility to help make that choice who's going to direct the state forward. So I think we're going to be up again in the 5960 range. How critical is turnout in this particular election? It's absolutely essential. More so than others? Do you say that every time? I, well, it's true every time, but it's more true when it's close. It's, it, this is an election where uh, I was talking to Andrew Walton, who ran for Sheboygan City Council, and he lost by a single vote. And a few weeks after the election, he was getting his hair cut, and his barber said, was that, was that you who ran for city council? And he said, yes. Did you vote? And he said, uh, this is the time to talk to everyone you yeah. know and tell them they've got to cast a ballot. You know, there were four races that came down to, to one vote in the spring. We don't know what we're going to see, but it's probably two or three votes per ward across the state of Wisconsin. And that means that people who, who think they care about this stuff, but they got a lot going on, for those folks, giving them a personal call and telling them to get off the couch and go to the polls, it could make all the difference in the world. Is there any one particular race where you think voter turnout is really going to tip something? You know, I think there's a, there's a number of races, like Ben was saying, we are seeing more competitive races kind of in this cycle uh, in newer areas. We're, we're looking in the, the city of Beloit, 
we've got opportunities there that we hadn't seen before from in the, the Republican race? side in the assembly races. So you think that could be a voter turnout I think race? That, I think that one could be a, a voter turnout race. I think when you look at the Kenosha Racine against Tip McGuire is another one that's there. And then up in northern Wisconsin. You know, we, we've got Romaine Quinn running for the, the state Senate seat up there. I think he's going to win that. But we've got some assembly races there as well that we have an opportunity. And it really comes down to is getting that, that voice out there. And as we keep telling everybody that shows up to the events, they're the influencers. They've got to reach out to all the people they know and say, it's time to step up. It's time to make your voice heard. And it's time to vote on Tuesday. If you could predict, uh, pick a particular race where you think voter turnout really could tip the scales, do you have one in mind? Uh, I think about Luann Bird. Luann Bird is running in the 84th Assembly District. That's a district that used to be bright red under the gerrymander. It moved things a lot to the Republican side, but that district became 50-50. And she's running an inspiring campaign, energizing voters in that race. The state legislative races, you know, the maps are so gerrymandered that Republicans are on the cusp of getting super majorities in both chambers of the state legislature. If they get two-thirds of the votes, uh, excuse me, two-thirds of the seats, they're definitely not getting two-thirds of the votes. If they get two-thirds of the seats, they can override Governor Evers' vetoes on things like the Republican bill that would allow guns on school grounds, which, you know, Tim Michaels would sign if he won, but Republicans could make that a law if they get the super majorities. Almost no Wisconsinites think that's a good idea. And you know, when we come to, to public safety, this is the kind of thing where the Governor Everidge's veto on democracy, on reproductive freedom, on public school funding, on gun safety, uh, all this stuff could become law in defiance of the majority if people don't vote down ballot. So I think focusing on these tiny, tiny shifts in assembly districts could make all the difference in the world. Well, quick plug for Wisconsin I, we have all those campaign uh, candidate interviews online so people can watch these candidates. So um, <laughs> we are setting, as we said in the opening of the show, we are setting records for campaign spending. And I do have a lot of the materials out here that we are seeing coming into our mailboxes, but we're also seeing that on in television ads. Let's look at some of the numbers. The Wisconsin Democracy Campaign reports Wisconsin has shattered the old record for spending for a governor race topping 114 million the prior record was 93 million in 2018 according to ad impact wisconsin's u.s senate race makes the top five nationally in terms of spending coming in at 177.5 million so far did you say at the beginning of the show it is the number one most expensive governor's race in the country yeah so this one is the, the number one and the senate race is in the top five and I think what you're seeing right now is a, a major influx to say we've got to make a change. And we've got to get our message out there that we've got multiple platforms now that we're working through, not only in the print, but in digital media and then on the traditional media as well with radio and TV. And, and then I think you and I could, could agree on the fact that it'd be nice to watch the 10 o'clock news and see something other than, you know, uh, election ads in between all the different things. It'd be nice to get quiet again. Um, we used to, we've been joking as we're out there telling people that we're X number of days away from the election, which is a good thing because we won't see the ads. It's a bad thing because we're running out of time to get the message out there. Ben, what is the impact of all of this extraordinary spending? So part of it is persuasion. Part of it is persuasion to participate. Uh, the, the Do you think it's a good thing? Well, I mean, I think it would be good if we had public financing for elections and there wasn't so much money in politics. But it does reflect the urgency. And when you think about the stakes for the whole country, 
Uh, the Wisconsin governor certifies the presidential election result, and Tony Evers is committed to certifying whoever wins. And Tim Michaels, in the debate, he was asked, and he said he will once he fixes the election system. And then he went off and did an event where he said no Republican will ever lose in Wisconsin once he becomes governor. That is not really who you want in charge of of certifying that the election was legitimate after a legitimate election. So we're the tipping point state in the Electoral College. The whole country looks to Wisconsin uh, because we put the last two presidents over the top. And when we get to 2024, I think a lot of people will look back on the election in 2022 and say that this was one of the most decisive factors. I think that's where a lot of the national interest in our governor's race especially comes in and the state legislative races. And of course, if we can elect two Democratic senators and hold the House, then then we'll pass national uh, you know, voting rights and anti-election subversion bills, which would, uh, I think, bring a lot of peace of mind to a lot of folks. So these races have enormous national implications as well as statewide implications for the rest of our lives. You know, a significant portion of all this funding is from out-of-state sources. Is that good or bad for your party? You know, when I look at it, I would say for our party, we don't have as much, nearly as much out-of-state funding as, as the De- Democratic Party does. But the challenge comes in, again, as kind of Ben was reiterating, the focus is Wisconsin, but the impacts are national. And so people are looking at different ways in how we're, we're impacting it and what we can do and how do we influence individuals to go through. Um, I think when I look at the states, and we can talk about gerrymandering, we, we see that occurring with the, the last... Uh, situations in the congressional that were under Tony Evers and the rest of them were done by the courts, um, you got to see there's a change happening in Wisconsin. And when you look at the people of Wisconsin, you look at the regions, they're starting to change and realize that the values that they thought were in the Democratic Party aren't the same as they were today. And they're starting to make that shift over to the Democratic side, more of a principled side. I think that's what we're trying to find now in what the the nation is trying to say is what are people's touch points? What are they really concerned about? And how do we help influence them that the candidates we have are the ones that are going to best help them move forward? You know, unlike in perhaps other midterm elections, there's increased attention on some of those down ticket races, particularly Wisconsin Secretary of State, Attorney General. Does a good night for, say, Governor Evers translate to a good night for the other Democrats on that ticket, would you say? Absolutely. The top of the ticket sets the, the floor and sometimes the, the ceiling. The statewide races are likely to be within a few hundred thousand votes of each other. And this year, the Senate and governor's races look closer together than they have in a long time. Uh, To the point you asked about earlier, the biggest donor on either side in any race in this election in Wisconsin is a guy from Connecticut who has put in, uh, I think, about $15 million. His name is Tim Michaels. He decided to run for governor in, this, in the state of Wisconsin. Um, but there's an enormous amount of money coming, uh, amount of money coming in there. Um, on the Republican side, the biggest Republican donor in the country is uh, Dick and Liz Uline. And they've funded the Stop the Steal rally in Washington, D.C. They're behind the biggest single-candidate super PAC in the country helping Ron Johnson. So we can see that the... The big money on the Republican side is moving from just a handful of folks. And uh, we, I think, have a, a big multiple of the number of donors who've contributed on the Democratic side to support Mandela Barnes and, and Governor Evers. Down ticket races, you think a win for Tim Michaels means Republicans do have a good night? 
Well, I do, and I will correct uh, Ben on that, that Tim Michaels is actually a Wisconsinite, and he's here in Wisconsin. He did work out in Connecticut for a while, but he is a Wisconsinite true and true. And so he's an individual that realized we needed to make a change in direction what we're doing, is willing to put his own money into the race. Um, when you look at the down ballot, I think we're going to be in good shape. I do agree that I think the, the top of the ticket is going to pull the rest of them along, and we'll keep looking at that. The one difference that we've seen in the past would be the Attorney General's race, which at times has gone different than the, the Republican governor's or Democratic governor's race. So, do you um, so think that's, that's a toss-up? That's one that could be a toss-up on either side. Uh, Wisconsin's U.S. Senate race, uh, Senator Ron Johnson and Lieutenant Governor Medella Barnes, one of those top five races people are watching across the country could mean a flip in the U.S. Senate. Are there any early returns, any early states that you'll be watching to kind of see what kind of night it would be for Republicans? You know, I think we're, we're going to be looking at a number of states just to see what's happening overall. When you look at Pennsylvania, uh, I think that's going to be a, a huge one to, to keep an eye on as we see a shift in to in the the strength of the Republican ticket across the, the entire country. Um, but we're going to be focused right here. I think a lot of people are going to be actually focused on Wisconsin to see where that shift occurs compared to the rest of the country. Are there any returns on the East Coast that you'll be looking for to see what kind of night you might have? This is a very Wisconsin-specific race. I'd say. In, so it's not going to matter? I don't think it matters. When you look nationally, you know, there's all these trends and ups and downs in different places. In Wisconsin, it's just like this. We're the only state that's been trending to a coin flip. And with, with both of the, the biggest races in our state um, and the attorney general's yeah. race, it's going to come down to this tiny, tiny margin in, for reasons that are very specific to Wisconsin, to the, the kind of state that we are, the kind of electorate that we have. Uh, I think the energy around our state is electric. And I think the turnout will be explosive, I think, for both sides. So you won't be looking at Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania? I mean, I'll be very interested because, obviously, <laughs> I want to win a Senate majority. So I, I hope they win all those places. But I don't think that they predict what's going to happen here. Right. The, the factors in this race are so specific. Ron Johnson is really an outlier among the Republican caucus. He's, he's the guy who wrote the, the tax cut into law that gave Dick and Liz Uline the $200 million in tax breaks, along with Diane Hendricks, his other biggest donor. It also gave millions of people that own a small business that same tax break. And, and so I think that's one of the things to keep in mind is, is we're going to parse and look at different issues like that. That is a decision that was made because the original bill only looked at C-Corps and didn't look at S-Corps. As an individual used to own an S-Corp, I would have been shut out of those breaks if he hadn't done that. There's a whole lot of high earners who are reclassifying themselves as as, uh, as pass-through companies so they can well, get that tax break. Refocusing on Tuesday evening, um, what are the <laughs> odds that you got to have a little? <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds the state legislature achieves a supermajority? If you were going to put 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 down some, if I had to put Vegas? the predictions, I think that the Senate will probably get 22 seats. Uh, and looking at the races that are in there, there's a possibility to get 23. The assembly is going to be tougher. It's, I mean, it's a, a bigger hill. It's 66 seats that we need, 67, 68 to make sure. Uh, I think it's going to be close. Um, there are those seats that we're, I was talking about earlier that we're going to be watching throughout the night. If we see up tickets, um, the Tim Michaels team and Ron Johnson pull out a, a good win, which is a multiple point win, they'll be able to pull those individuals across and we could see super majorities. Are you concerned about that supermajority measure in the Very concerned. There's there's 
one public model that looked race by race, and it found a 49% chance of Republican supermajority in the state assembly, and much higher than that in the state Senate. So I think that's a coin flip as well, as if we didn't have enough coin flips on election night. Uh, I, I will be knocking in these battleground state legislative districts between now and when the polls close. And uh, folks. You got a lot of work to do. Well, <laughs> yeah, we both do. Yeah. But I hope, I hope every voter knows they've got work to do too. Vote up and down the ballot. Yep. This is the time. Uh, early on, many people thought that the third congressional district in the La Crosse Claire area was going to be competitive. Now, uh, a lot of national analysts pretty much are predicting a win for Republican Derek Van Orden. Do you think that seat will for sure flip? Uh, again, it's cautiously been optimistic. For right. years. So when we look at it, uh, and I look at the candidate, Derek has done a phenomenal job in the last two years getting across the entire district and talking with individuals up and down. Uh, we have seen that the, the Democratic Party has pulled a considerable amount of their funding out the last couple of weeks. They saw the numbers that are there. Uh, it's a chance for us to, to say, okay, folks, here's what we can do, and here's what the Republicans are going to be able to do for you. Since you've been under Democratic control for uh, so many years, let's see what happens now as, as Republicans take control. If that seat flips, what would be the reason why? The main thing is that nationally, the momentum on the in House races has moved. So Democratic National Committee money is going to districts that Biden won by 10 percentage points. And this is a purple, purple, purple district, which is not at the top of the, the National Democrats' priority list. But if they did took a closer look, Derek Van Norden's on probation for trying to bring a loaded gun on a plane. He was at the insurrection. He admitted to sexually harassing folks when he was in uniform in his memoir. And Brad Paff is just the kindest, most decent guy with agriculture running through his blood. Uh, he's a great candidate for that district. And I think, you know, this is going to be a tough fight and the spending balance imbalance is massive. But Brad is a tremendous candidate for that district. And uh, I wouldn't count anything out. So we are, of course, living in an era of skepticism about election administration. What is your party doing to tell voters and supporters what to expect on election night and, and how to feel about how elections are run in Wisconsin? Well, I think over the last year, we've done a phenomenal job getting people to engage. Uh, when you look at uh, what we can do for the election process, not only did we get some Supreme Court challenges that gave us certainty in what can be done and cannot be done during the cycle, but we also got our volunteers, observers, and then the inspection workers, the statutorial individuals. Uh, we went from, in 2020, we went from 1,600 workers that we had signed up and nominated to over 5,000 in this cycle across the state. So we have more people that are willing to say, okay, we'll be the eyes and ears at the polls to see what's going on. I think as we look through the spring process, there is a lot of realization that things are running pretty well and we're in good shape. Um, we heard report backs from individuals that working with the clerks, they'd ask questions, the clerks would answer. It was a good feedback, good dialogue that occurred. Uh, we know we've seen some challenges in, in the unfortunate thing that you saw in Milwaukee this past week. I don't, I think either, both, either, both of us could agree that's Absolutely. not what you wanna see. Yep. But it also gives us the light to say, okay, now we're gonna keep focus on what's going on. And I think there's gonna be a brighter light that's going to be there at the same time I think people are going to realize we've got a pretty solid system. There's a couple of tweaks that we still have to work through, but overall we should be confident. You agree? We, the, the MIT Election Performance Index looks at every state 
we were number four in the country in 2020. And wh what I've uh, you know, heard from other folks who are poll workers, when the biggest skeptics come in and actually work the polls and see how everything is triple checked, they come out of it with more confidence. And I think it's good for more people to learn how secure and effective our system is. We have 1,850 municipal clerks chosen from their communities because they love their communities, who make sure that we have free, fair, secure elections. I think people have the appropriate confidence that when they cast a ballot, it will be counted fairly and securely. If you could pick one race that you think will be the biggest surprise on Tuesday night, which race would it be? The biggest surprise? Maybe a sleeper nobody's talking about. I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> um, I think that the biggest one is, could be the Tip McGuire when we're looking at Kenosha, Kenosha the race. Um, we're seeing a lot of movement that's going that way, and there's been a lot of um, our energy in directed through the, the Republican Assembly Committee going there. And people are starting to be a lot, I would say, more open to what we're, we're, they're hearing from us. So I think that's going to be one to keep an eye on. Biggest surprise on Tuesday night, do you think? Well, Donald Trump just personally recorded a 90-second robocall to support Adam Steen in his writing campaign against Robin Voss. So, uh, you know, that is not on anyone's map. I don't think Robin Voss is going to lose to Adam Steen, but that guy is getting the full Trump treatment. Uh, Tim Michaels is not, incidentally. I don't know why Michaels has abandoned Trump or Trump abandoned Michaels in the home stretch, but in that race, uh, let's keep an eye on that district. If you could change anything about decisions that were made, any strategy in this particular election, what would it be? I think we've, been, we've done a great job. When, when we look at how we've handled this election cycle, uh, for the state party perspective, working with our campaigns, I think there's been a lot more cohesiveness within the system that we've created. And I think we've got a model that we're going to be able to replicate now as we move forward, especially working with the grassroots. We've re-engaged them across the state. And I know the power that we have with our grassroots team can take on anybody else and come out victorious. Would you change anything, any, any decision or strategy or? If I could go back in time, I would have sounded the alarm bells more at the end of August, beginning of September, because there was this flood of money from the Ulines and from Diane Hendricks attacking Mandela Barnes with totally dishonest smears. And the, the counterpunch, which really, you know, the state party is not allowed to, to fund in the same way uh, the, the support for candidates in federal races that we are in state races. But I wish that we'd gotten the National Cavalry to, to be in that fight the same way that Mandela has been here on the ground and our volunteers and, and supporters have been. That was a, a tough month, and you could see the poll slide. And then they came back. So that race is back in toss-up territory now. But if I could change one thing, it would be, uh, it'd be sound the alarm before that, that flood of dishonest smear ads came out in September. Final question, where will you be on election night? <laughs> Everywhere. Uh, we'll be up in Nina with the, the Ron Johnson team for a little bit, and then we'll be down in Milwaukee with the Tim Michaels team. And you, election night? I'm going to start in Madison, and then if... With Governor Evers? With Governor Evers and, and Attorney General calls across the street, uh, then we'll, we'll win those races, and then I'll go off to Milwaukee and uh, celebrate the Mandela Barnes victory, and then I'll call all my friends in the State Assembly who just beat the odds and <laughs> pulled it out. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining us today, and good luck tomorrow. Thanks, Thanks for so having us. And thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as we highlight the issues and sit down with the decision makers who make a difference for all of us. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin.
Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civic broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel -gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol. 